Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Good morning. Did I already tell you to tell your neighbor they look marvelous? Tell them again. Because, you know, people have a tendency of forgetting. We've been in a series on 1 Peter. And I don't know about you, but it's a great series because 1 Peter is talking about individuals who's going through a difficult time. Now, how many have ever gone through a difficult time? Raise your hand. Wow. Everybody, is it? So I guess you can relate to 1 Peter pretty good now, huh? <laughs> so we talked a lot about it. We're just in chapter 1, and we're up to verse 13 today. But so far, we talked about Peter, apostle. Now, apostle was one that was sent with God. And it's the Holy Spirit writing through Peter to encourage believers who are under persecution that is scattered all over Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. I want you to understand that just because you're a believer doesn't mean you're not going to face a problem. How many say amen? You know, God will always promise you to go be in the problem or be in the fire or see you through. But it's up to you to go to God and you'll meet God and God will then provide a way. But what this letter is doing is helping the people to remember. Someone say remember. Because honestly, that's the first thing we do. We forget. How many forget where you put your keys? Huh? The other day, last Wednesday night, last Wednesday night, I had to drop my car off at the mechanics, and then I wanted to get some fishing gear. And between the two, I lost my phone. I didn't know where my phone was. I could not find my phone. I didn't get home until about 1 o'clock in the morning searching for my phone. I was going back and forth, trying to find it, back and forth. Finally, I finally found the phone, and, um, but it was a journey. I got home exhausted, and I said to myself, maybe I shouldn't, you know, like, do things like this when I'm tired. <laughs> we forget. We forget sometimes. And not, don't give yourself an excuse. Well, I'm getting older. Don't claim that. Don't, no. You get tired. And when you get tired, you forget things. Well, what happens is we forget what God says to us. And sometimes when we're going through a problem or situation, we see the situation more than our Savior, what our Savior said, or sometimes we'll listen to what other people said. And so these people, uh, those brothers and sisters here that Peter's talking to, Peter, the Spirit of God through Peter is encouraging them and said, listen, guys, praise, give praise to the Lord the Father. And this is verse 3. Because he's giving you great mercy, he's giving you a new birth, he's giving you living hope, all through the resurrection, through the dead of Jesus. Okay, this is really powerful. A great mercy, new birth, a living hope. Someone say living hope. Mm. Living hope. Not just hope, but it's life. Because you have a living God. And then it says, now get this, into an inheritance. And we talked about that, that can never perish or spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Who through faith you are shielded by God's power until the coming of the real reveal of Jesus Christ. This is a promise. It's a promise God has for us. Someone say, I'm under God's promise. This is powerful. So when you go through the hardships of life, remember what God has given to you. And then it says this in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. 
However, for a little while, you have to suffer all kind of grief and trials. Someone say a little while. You know, troubles come and troubles go. Jesus always stays. Troubles come and troubles go, but Jesus always stays. Just stay with Jesus. Look at your neighbor and just remind them today. Stay with Jesus. <laughs> it says, these trials and troubles have come simply to strengthen your faith. And then it says this in verse 7, that, you, that your faith is greater than the worth of gold that is under fire and that perishes. And then it says, and if you allow your faith to grow, it will actually produce praise and glory and honor when Jesus comes. Meaning that there's a result when you walk according to God's way, God's word, and do God's works. This is, this is, a, beautiful, this is a beautiful promise that God has for you. Now, you know, sometimes you can hear a message like this and then you, you, know, you forget all about it. And then all of a sudden troubles come and you know what God said, but because of the trouble, because of how you're feeling, well, it's so hard sometimes and it says this, though you have not seen him, you love him and believe in him because of the inexpressible and glorious joy you have. Now, when you get know Jesus, when people know Jesus, there's a joy. And if, if, you, if you have a hard place, hard time finding your joy, and you, and you say, well, pastor, I, I don't know, I'm not that joyous. If you're not that joyous, you got to ask yourself a question. What part do I play in that? What part do I play in me not being joyful because the joy of the Lord is my that's what the scripture says God gives joy and then it tells us and goes on in verse 10 to 12 it says concerning the salvation even the prophets and the angels were searching intently trying to find out the time and the circumstances that God was going to fulfill all these prophecies he's encouraging them with all the good stuff that God has done now I want to share a story how many know Paul Harvey Anybody know Paul Harvey? I used to love listening to Paul Harvey. He has some great stories. He's told the story of an old man and gulls. Let me tell you this story today. Because it's all about gratitude and it's about remembering. And that's what the Spirit of God through Peter is trying to talk to the people who are on the trial. He says you need to remember what God has done, what God is doing, and what God is going to do. Listen to the story, The Old Man and Gulls. What would prompt an old man to visit an old broken pier on the seacoast of Florida every Friday night until his death in 1973? He would faithfully come walking slowly, slightly bent over with a large bucket of shrimp. The seagulls would flock to this old man and he would feed them from his basket. It was October. 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was on a mission with a B-17 plane to deliver an important message to General MacArthur in New Guinea. But unexpected detour that caused the plane to go off course and he became lost beyond radio reach. With fuel very low, they decided to ditch their plane into the sea. For a month, Captain Eddie and the crew would fight the sea, the weather, the scorching sun, they spent sleepless nights as giant sharks, 10 feet long, would ram their raft, which was 9 feet long and 5 feet wide. But the greatest enemy that they faced was starvation. It had been eight days after all of their rations were long gone and were destroyed by the salt water. 
One day, listen to what they did. Listen, when you're in a tough time, what are you going to do? Here they are, stranded, lost on the ocean with very little hope, no food. And you know what they're doing? Yeah, they had a worship service on the raft. One day after a worship service on the raft where, where we read and quoted scriptures, a prayer of deliverance was said and a song, get this now, of praise was sung. Mm, some of the times you've got to raise the praise when the pressure is on. It's like being in prison, Paul and Silas. We're going to raise the praise when the pressure is on. When you feel the pressure, praise. When you feel the pressure, praise. When you feel the pressure, praise. And see what God will do. Because when you praise, the power shows up. <laughs> One day during that worship, they just started praying deliverance, singing a song of praise. And then they decided, well, most Christians, let's get some sleep. <laughs> With a captain. There, with his hat over his eyes, he dozed off, only to be awakened by something on his head. The, the captain knew exactly what it was. It was a seagull. He knew it just as he woke up. He peered out from under his hat brim without moving his head, and he could see the expression of his crew on their faces, and they were staring at the gull, and it meant food. If I could only catch the gull, Captain Eddie thought to himself. In a flash, in a moment, he caught the gull. It was flesh, the flesh was eaten. The intestines was used for bait to catch fish. The group of men survived and their hopes were renewed because of a lone seagull landing on a man's head hundreds of miles from land offered itself without a fight. Now, let me tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> Captain Eddie never forgot because every Friday, even about sunset on a lonely stretch along the eastern Florida seacoast, you could see an old man walking, white haired, bushy eyebrows, slightly bent, with a bucket filled with shrimp to feed the gulls. To remember that one seagull that one day long past gave itself without a struggle, it was like manna in the wilderness. It's gratitude that prompted the old man to visit the old broken pier until his death in 1973. But the question for you and I that we really have to ask ourselves is this. How much more has Christ done for you and I? How much more that we need to be reminded daily to be thankful, to arise gratitude and thanksgiving in our hearts. To remember all that Christ has done for us. This is a true story of a man who was thankful because if it wasn't for a seagull, now don't get me wrong, I'm not a lover of seagulls. Because if you're on the boats, they can be a nuisance sometimes. Sometimes they will steal anything on the boat that's bait. They can, be, they can really be a nuisance. But I'm also the same guy that would feed them by hand for the stuff we wanted to feed them. <laughs> It's just that if you train them with the stuff you want to, they, they, take, they take advantage of you is what they do. Just tell you a story just happened the other, not last year. Last year. I'm pretty good at the beach and prevent the seagulls from taking my food. I had three seagulls on one beach trip take my sandwiches. I was so mad. Oh, I was so mad. The first one, okay. 
The second one, not too good. The third one, I grew hair. <laughs> Three times they took my sandwich, man. I don't think I got a chance to have a whole sandwich. Let's look at a portion of scripture today and uh, let's take it to the next brick. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. And we're going to go to 16, but today we're going to focus on just one verse, verse 13. It says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But, but, just as he who lived calls you is holy, be holy in all you do because it is written, be holy because I am holy. Let's focus a little bit on verse 13. Verse 13 starts off, therefore, therefore. Prepare your mind for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully, fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ be revealed. How many of you ever seen a therefore in Scripture? Sure. And you've heard this saying, there are therefore a reason. I'm going to take it a little bit even further today. Because I said to myself, and I planned on doing all three verses, and I got stuck on verse 13, couldn't leave it. Because how many times we know what we're supposed to do, but we don't do it. And here's the problem. We don't think it's no big deal. Because we don't see the consequences of our decision today. Can I tell you something? Your decisions you make today are sometimes consequences you face in your future. And therefores are so important. They are so important. Therefore, it simply means, consequently, focus on this. Listen to me carefully. I am going to condense everything I've just said into a smaller portion. It is in this smaller portion that we have to pay attention. Everything you've just, we've read in the first chapter of First Peter. Everything the Spirit has revealed is written to encourage believers in difficult times. And what is he doing? He's encouraging them and reminding them of God's plan. Does God have a plan for you? Yeah, he does. He has an absolute plan for you. Some of you say, well, you know, how many more years do I have? I don't care. It just takes one day to do a miraculous. It's just one day to change the world. It's one day you can talk to someone and change a life. You want to understand the power of a day? God can do the miraculous in one second, one nanosecond. Let me tell you, time is a gift. Time is a gift. And in God's plan, he wants you to remember this promises. He wants you to remember this provisions, protections. This is power demonstrated through what God has done in your life. That's what this message is doing for the people who are going under persecution. Therefore, is so important. Because what we do with the therefore will determine what happens in our life. If the scriptures give you this whole list and this says therefore, it then says, I'm telling you, therefore, do this. If you don't do this, your tomorrow will show up for it. The lack of obedience to a therefore is consequences are high when you don't do it. I want you to think of this. How many ever heard my little acronym of life? I'm sure you have. Life is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Look at your neighbor and say, I love life. I love life. I love life. 
got a chance to go fishing the other day, and I mean, I rocked it dead. I mean, I've caught, I, so far I've caught two species I've never caught before, and um, I, just, I just caught a lot of fish. My arm is, you know, still not, not the same. I just, but I'll tell you what, though, it's a beautiful thing to have life, but in life we have decisions we make. If is the middle of life. So as you live life, you have a lot of ifs. You have a lot of therefore. The if could be a therefore. Am I going to do what God just said? Therefore, he's going to condense this for something we have to do. And the question when you see a therefore is, am I going to do that? Am I going to apply that to my life? Or am I just going to read it? Am I going to really just read it or really apply it? You know, a lot of people, just because they have it up here, think they have it in their heart. No, no. See, it's not what we know. It's how we live. You know, it's not about knowing about Jesus. Even the devil knows about Jesus. It's how we live. It's what we believe. It's in our behavior. It's in our dedication. It's in our commitment. It's because what we love is what we do. So in life, there's a big if. And therefores are important. If we do them, we will be wise and we will reap the blessings here and eternity. But when the therefore is coming, we don't pay attention to it. We bring pain and affliction into our life. So when you see a therefore, yes, it's there for a reason, but it's actually given us a command to do. Therefores are commands to do. So if you read something, I want you to do this. You see therefore? Focus on that therefore. It's a condensation. Condensing everything, not condensation, that's liquid. <laughs> it's condensing everything together for you to follow. So let's, let's look what it says. Prepare your mind for action. Huh? Wait a minute, did it say prepare your body? Did it prepare all the, prepare your mind. Saints, can I tell you this? The battle is in the mind. The battle is in your mind. You become what's in your mind. What you feed is what you eat. And what you eat, you gain strength from. If you eat Oreo cookies, you're going to be full of sugar. You may be sweet. I don't know. But it's not nutritious. You can't live on Oreo cookies. You need to have nutrition for health. Well, the bottom line, what are we eating in life? It says here, prepare your mind for action. Now, in the King James, it talks about loins. And when you understand this whole aspect, is the theory behind this is, you know how you had the garment in the Old Testament or in the time of Jesus, they wore long garments. And if you had to run, you would pick up your garment, you would tuck it in the belt, and you would run. You would prepare for what you're about to do. You can't run in a dress, right ladies? It's like trying to steal a pair of shoes out of the store. You just, you know, you... I don't recommend anybody doing that, by the way. <laughs> but I have seen it done. The reality is you have to prepare your mind and what you prepare your mind will be resulted in what you do. What your mind thinks on is what your mind eats on. So I want to share a few things with you. First of all, Proverbs 23, 7, 4. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. So let me ask you a question. 
How's your thought pattern? Do you say, I can't do this? Do you look at your faults and your failures? Do you see what God can't do? Do you see what's happening here and don't believe that God can change things? How do you think? Because you cannot go into battle if you do not have clarity and strength of thought. Could you imagine a bunch, an army, ready to go into battle, and yet their thought was on fear? We can't win. We can't conquer these guys. Look at the giants in the land. Do you think any military army who has that kind of mind frame is going to win a victory? No. Because they've already defeated themselves with their own thinking. Believers in God, friends, listen, the same thing can happen to you when you start thinking on things. He is telling the people, prepare your mind for action. You are under persecution. You're under trial. You're under situations that's hard to live under. But you have to prepare your mind on who and what God has said. Saints, this book is so good in real life. Because we have a habit of focusing just by what we see and we forget, we forget of what God has provided. He's not done yet. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not done yet. Mm-mm-mm. He's not done yet. How about this portion of scripture? I love this one. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind, those whose minds are steadfast because, because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord when you feel like it. No. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord. The Lord himself is the rock eternal. God will give you peace when you are restless. God will give you strength when you are weak. God will give you hope when you are hopeless. This is the God that is in the scriptures, you may not feel it, but you got to know it. you got to prepare your mind. It's what you think on. I see more defeated Christians all over the place. And they all they want to do is can't, can't, can't. I can't find it in the scriptures. I can't find can't. I do see can. I think he's a can-do God. That's why little David sees a big man and says, huh, you're going down. Big man says, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air, you little peace squeak. <laughs> little guys, don't pay no attention to what this guy's saying. But my God huh, is going to change history. One individual who had a mind of victory because he knew who his God was changed the whole nation. Changed the whole nation. And don't you tell me God can't do it for you. Because he's the same God. Yesterday, today, and forever. Is that true? You have to mean it's a battle of the mind. If you say you're already defeated, you are defeated. It is negative faith. You guarantee it. You can't even walk forward because you're saying, I can't do it. Can't is a choice. But he says, prepare your mind. Stop focusing on what God has done. Remember what he's provided. Encourage yourself, remember, in the goodness of the Lord. I love this quote. I'm, I'm not sure who quoted it. I found so many names on it. So I'm not sure who's the original. It says, the toughest battle you have to fight is between what you know and what you feel. Did you get that? 
How many know that sometimes, watch this, how many know that you feel greater than you know? I feel, I feel, we all feel. We all feel. We're all human. But what do you know? Tell me something you believe. Tell me something that you believe to your death. Because if you're willing to die for it, you really believe it. So many people say they believe in God, they believe in God, in God this and God that. But they can't even be steady and focused on the things that are important to God. What is important to God? And the question is, are we doing it? Are we doing those things that are important to Him? Because that's relationship. Look at your neighbor and say, are you listening? <laughs> the toughest battle you have is a fight between what you know and what you feel. You've got to know what God's Word says. That's what First Peter is talking about to those going under problems. He's reminding them of the goodness and the greatness and the great plan of God. But if you go by feeling, you're defeated. Because feelings will always deceive you. Now, don't get me wrong. Feelings has a part. They plays a part. But it can't play a whole part. I'm mad. Okay, I know you're mad. But you just said, I hate you. I've listened to kids so many times use the word hate to their parents. But then when I get with a kid and I say, do you really hate your parents? They go, no. I said, but that's what you said. I know. I was mad. See, what will happen? The words spoken out of feeling, not out of truth, not out of knowledge. We have to remember what God says in our life through His Word. Look at your neighbor and say, Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to see something here. When we prepare the mind for action, I want you to think, how many have ever seen a football game? Right? NFL. And what do they have on their heads? Helmets. And they got all kind of helmet laws now and they, all these things they've come to protect the what? The brain. Do you know your brain is one of the greatest things that God has given you? Your brain? You need to use it. <laughs> I, I just want to say, I don't know if people are using their brains anymore today. It's like they just listen to hearsay, they say, everybody's saying, uh, culture's changing like crazy, and they're just, they just, they just, they, they, it's a bunch of mush. God gave you a brain. Use it. You see, so we have these helmets that we use to protect our brain. And that's important because in football, there's hard hits. I remember one time I played a little bit of football when I was younger. And there's times I had equipment on and other, most times no equipment because I used to love to run free. I remember one time I was running so fast. I was about to score a touchdown and I was rejoicing and I was a pretty fast runner. And um, someone caught me, though, just by the shoe, just by the shoe. And I tumbled so hard that I came up dizzy. I must have tumbled for a very long time. And when I came up, I could hardly stand because I was so rocked by the tumbling on the hard ground. That day, that day I said, maybe I should play with equipment on <laughs> to protect my noggin. Because when you hit it against the ground, it can rock you. God wants you to prepare your mind in the way you think. That's why when we look at Ephesians chapter 6, Paul the Apostle is looking at the armor of God and one of the uh, parts of an armor of, of uh, the soldier as he related to the armor of God was the helmet of salvation. You have to get this because this is important. The last thing that a soldier would put on would be his helmet. 
before he goes into, he would put his helmet on. I've been with a lot of military people and you know, when they're all, they're all in their gear, they'll take their helmet off, they'll, they'll talk and like this, when they get back and they'll put their gear back on, they'll put their helmet back on to protect the head. It's important because it's the control center. Christian, the helmet of salvation is a control center of what happens to your life by the way you think. Not listening to the enemy of your soul. Not listening to those around you that are just a bunch of negative Nancys. And sorry if your name is Nancy. It's not. No, no pun intended. It's just N and N. I like it. Negative Nancy. Okay. You can give me another word. I'll use it. <laughs> I want you to understand that the helmet of salvation is important for you and I because that's where we have a knowledge and a belief system in God and we understand the divine work of God and we apply it to our life and we remember what God's word says. I put on his helmet. I know who I am. My identity is in Christ. Someone say in Christ. You can march into battle because greater is he that's in me than in the world. It's the knowledge and understanding of the divine work of God in your heart, in your life, in the covenant that we walk in. There's a knowledge here, and with that knowledge, we prepare in battle. We prepare. We go into battle with an understanding. I walk not alone. I go into a battle, no matter what it is. Here's the key. Let's, get this. Write this down. Satan, the number one area he wants to attack is your mind. He wants to defeat you and hurt you and cause you not to be effective by the mind. You see, when I'm going through this, God just overflooded me with just stuff when I started doing it. My, my thing was a cover, four verses. And you know me, I have a hard time covering four verses. But you've got to get this thing. This is important. This can change your life by the way you think. Prepare your mind for action is remembering what God has already told you. Because when you hurt, when you're in pain, when you're angry, when something has hurt you and you're scarred, it's tough, it's hard, and it hurts. That's why you have to prepare your mind with what God's word says. That's why we have to forgive that's why we have to love. Oh yeah, love. Even your, watch this, enemies. That's powerful. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. He wants to defeat you, the enemy does. He wants to defeat you by the way you think. He doesn't want you to remember what God has done. He doesn't want you to remember that he's given you a living hope. He doesn't want you to remember who you are and the authority you have in Jesus Christ and the blood of the living lamb. He doesn't want you to understand that. And here are the people who are in Asia Minor today. We can see the same battle taking place within our own lives. We can see battles taking place. We can see the enemy there and we are letting him rattle our cage so that we are losing the joy of God in our hearts, in the battle. You see, the soul is made of three parts, your emotions, your intellect. That is your knowledge or your will. That is where you make your choices from. And I'll tell you what, saints, it's important that you understand to prepare your spiritual battle. It's not enough to know about God. I don't care if you know all, more scriptures than I do. And God bless you if you do. I'd be very excited about that. I really would. But that still doesn't make a difference because it ain't about how much you know of God. It's what you do in God. It's preparing your mind 
remembering what God says and stand steady, a steady eddy. Someone look at your neighbor and, and give him a high five. Romans 12, 1 and 2, listen to this command. It says, and you know Romans 12 is a popular one. Most of you do. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? What? Renewing of your mind. You see what happens? Why do we need a renewing of our mind? Since God has given us a new mind because things happen. And the way we renew our minds is we focus on the word of God on a continual basis. And the word washes and the word changes. And we're transformed by the word of God. And people say, well, I haven't read my Bible in so long. You can't know the Lord until you start reading the scriptures on a daily basis and then be in prayer. You want to know God? Start there. You want to see God do his miraculous works in one little moment? Start with God in the word. Be faithful in little, and he'll make you faithful in much. You see, it's so important that we take this religion thing and kick it out. Bring in that relationship aspect. Because God wants that relationship. Our mind has to be focused on him. The people in Asia Minor are... Emotionally heavy. This is what this letter was to do, is to remind them to stop allowing the enemy to drain them and allow the power of God to empower them and sustain them. That's what God's word wants to do. Be transformed by the renewal of mind. Then, then, then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. Mean you'll get to know what you need to do. You'll get answers. How many like that to get answers, huh? How many want some answers in the house today, huh? I want some answers, God. Well, start renewing your mind on the Word of God, and God will give you the answers. See, the enemy knows that if you get enough of God's Word, if you get enough of just all of what God says, you'll think different, you'll be different, you'll live different, and you'll become a threat. How many want to become a threat to the kingdom of darkness? I mean, come on now. I mean, how many really want to, you know, how many, how many of you really want the devil to know your name? Oh, that dude there. Keep that dude away from that person. That's for sure. You know, a lot of times people say, well, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to cause any problems. What? Are you a soldier? Are you a whip? Come on, let's get in the battle. There's people lost out there outside these walls and they just need Jesus Christ. The living son of God who transforms hearts and lives. And you've got to remember when God transformed you. You see, the real battle, the real battle is this. Here's the real battle. Write this down. And most of you might know this scripture, but this is the real battle. It's Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Love this scripture. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Uh-oh. Huh. Really, God? <laughs> Neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We have a problem with that, don't we? When things don't go the way we think they should go, and God's saying, hey, my, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Hey, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, God knows more than you do. I know you think you know it all. I get it. I know. But you don't. Now, in fact, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Hey, God does. You know, nothing surprises God. 
You know, it's not like he gets up in the morning and goes, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Oh, can't believe it. Should have prepared for that. You see, it's funny, but sometimes we live a life like God's not in control. We live our lives like, I've got to do this, and I've got to stay in control. You know? Bottom line, God's in control. All we need to do is hook up with him. It's really important that his ways are higher, but we have a hard time with that. So we have to prepare our minds for action. So he said to the people in Asia Minor, listen, guys, I know you're in trials. I know you're in struggles. I know it's really hard right now. I know it's hard. But you've got to start thinking right. You've got to start remembering what God said. Because if you don't get this right, you're not going to be able to go forward. Because you can't go forward unless you have the, your mind set in the right place. Then you can go on to the next verse or the next step. This is the next brick. Be self-controlled. You see, you can't be self-controlled if you don't have your mind prepared for actions to do what you have to do. Self-control. I was thinking about self-control, or King James says sober. It really means in control. And I was thinking about that, like self-control. And how many of you ever heard about self-discipline? Raise your hand. Self-discipline. There's self-discipline books out there like galore. How to improve, how to be a handyman, how to be a better basketball player, how to be a better hockey player, how to be a better tennis player, how to be a better soccer player, how to be better at something, how to be a better leader, how to be better. All, self, all self-improvement, self-discipline. Self-discipline is a correction or regulation of oneself for the sake of improving on something, of what you do. I want to be a better plumber. I want to be whatever it is that you want to improve on. But God kind of talks about self-control. Self-control is quite different than self-discipline. Self-control is an intentional restraint to exercise over one's own impulse, one's own emotion, and here's a biggie, one's desires. Desires. How many of you, you know, after maybe your Sunday dinner, or maybe after a nice afternoon, it's warm, and you have this desire for a banana split. How many would just say, that sounds good right now? It sure does. (laughs) Let's all go. (laughs) Who's paying? Let's go. Yeah, see, we have these desires in us, but desires, God gives desires But there are desires that do not produce life, do not produce strength, do not produce health, and does not produce closeness to God. There are those desires we need to be careful of because it is simply self-control, a control of who we are, what we will do and not do. It's important. I have found a definition that I really like that goes like this. It is the ability to control one's emotion, one's desires, or the expression of one's behaviors, especially, especially in difficult times. See, it's, it's no big deal if I say, hey guys, man, I have a desire for a banana split right now. And let's say someone's over here and say, yeah, I don't like ice cream. He's not going to have no, or she's not going to have no desire for a banana split. Why is that? Because they don't like ice cream. But if I say chocolate cream pie, oh, they're in. 
They're all chocolate. Did you, did, you, did you just say chocolate cream pie with ice cream? Yeah. Oh, now they're in. See, everybody has their desires. But see, when you look at this, be self-controlled. He's telling them who are under trials that are very under pressure that you have to watch what you do. Get your mind in order and then get doing. See, what I mean? See, you can't do unless you get your mind in order. Your mind comes first, then your action. Someone say, mind first, action second. A lot of times we try to do. We try to just do, do, do. That don't even sound good, does it? Do, do, do. <laughs> we try be, doing instead of being. And that's what God wants us to be. That's so important, so important for you and I to understand that. Self-control is a person who is in control over their behaviors, emotions, and thoughts, and thinking, and yields, that's a big word, yields themselves to the obedience and the will of God. See, it's not important what you want, it's important what God wants. But I, but I want that. I, this is what I need. Come on, someone say this. This is what I need. See, we don't verbalize that. We, we don't verbalize that. We don't, we don't tell anybody, this is what, I, I need this. Now, you might, someone close to you, you know what I mean? You might say to someone, man, I just, you know what I need right now? I need a coffee. <laughs> ah, I know who you are. <laughs> oh, I just lost a few of them. I planted the thought. <laughs> you see, it's so important for us to control those desires that come into our life. When our sin becomes a problem in our life because our desires get out of control and we do not use self-control, we create problems. Problems in relationship with God, problems with relationship with each other. You see, this is the problem. The problem is that our life becomes, and write these words down. These are something to meditate on them and ask yourself, am I? That's what I would put. Am I? And then these are the words I'm going to give you. Undisciplined. Disordered. Misdirected. Because in those words there is what allows sinful desires to increase in our life. Undisciplined disordered and misdirected. Now, I believe in this. I will believe in this quote. It's by Ralph Emerson. He says this, sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an action and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. That can be on both sides of the fence. It doesn't just happen. It's a process People don't get way over here in one day. It's a process. Being undisciplined, disordered, misdirected, not all in. So you have to ask yourself, why do we need self-control? Why? The reality is we need self-control in all our areas of life because when we face temptation, and everybody faces temptation, there's not one person in this room that doesn't face Temptation. Here's the key. Our temptations are different according to each one of you. So we need self-control because it is the ability. Someone say ability. It is the ability with the power of Almighty God, His Spirit, to help us to apply self-control 
to the very situation in our lives to give us the strength to resist the temptation we're feeling. But I want you to understand something. Temptation is not sin. Just say that to yourself. Temptation is not sin. I've had so many people in my office that have been going through so much temptation and they say to me, I'm being so tempted, I'm being so tempted. And I said, that's okay, that's normal. And they look at me like, you're not a very good pastor. <laughs> it's normal. Temptation, that's normal. Temptation is not sin. You should not feel guilty that you have temptation. It happens. The question is, what do you do with it? You see? And I'm going to show you something. Self-control isn't a lack of temptation. It's the ability to resist giving in to temptation. It's not letting temptation lead you to sin. And the greatest one that we can think of, I love Hebrews chapter 4.15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one, Jesus, who was, had been tempted in every way just as we are, yet, yet, without sin. Yeah, Jesus was tempted in many ways, but he didn't sin. That's what makes his sacrifice so powerful. See, the reality is when it comes down to self-control, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. That means that as you follow God, there are fruits that come out of your life. The Spirit of God enables you, strengthens you. But here's the question, here's the question. Do you really want to have all of God's fruits coming out of your life? And you say, yes, Pastor, I do. Then the next question, I said, how much time do you spend with God? How much time do you think about God? How much time do you spend in the Word? How much time do you really want to spend with God? I was just with um, two friends yesterday, two dear friends. And they said to me, just so in love with Jesus. And they said to me, we're going to open the church at 5.30 in the morning and we're going to start a prayer group. We're going to spend it. We're just going to, we're just going to worship God at 5.30 in the morning. And I, and I just said, is, is there people that are going to come? And this is what they said. We don't care. We're going to praise God and we're going to worship God. And I said, you know, they're just hungry for God. Hungry, hungry hippos. And it's so refreshing to... To see he hungry of God. They're willing to wake up, whatever, to give God their first fruit. To give God and to meet with God and see what God's going to do. That's hunger. Think of it this way. Suppose you have somebody in your life who you love spending time with. You just love spending time with them. Maybe they make you laugh. Uh, maybe they're just, just, just good company. Yeah, anybody can think of anybody? Please, somebody put their hand up. Oh, yeah, okay, 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 good. Whew. I was wondering about that for a second. <laughs> and so you like to spend time with them. And, and I, was, I was sharing with them. I said, it's sort of like, I get it. And I was just sharing. We're having great conversation, depth of conversation. And I said, you know, it's like, it's like when you meet that girl or that guy. And you got to take her home. Or you got to take him home. And you just don't want to take him home. You just, you're like, yeah, speed limit is 60. And here you're going 30. Everybody's honking your horn. Hey, buddy, get moving. And you're like, no, I don't want to move. I got my chick in the car and I don't want to take her home. I want to enjoy the ride. You see, I think some of us need to get back to enjoying the ride with Jesus. And not being so putting them off to the sidelines and stuff, but really have a relationship, like really enjoying and, and disciplining our lives to do things because we have a higher love that goes beyond the norm. 
You see, Jesus was tempted in all, all things, and yet he did not sin. So don't feel guilty about having a temptation, but do not entertain the temptation. Do not feed the temptation. It's like me feeding the seagulls. You know, I... I I've got to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm at the beach and, I'm, and they're all around me and I love animals. I really do. I can eat them as quick as I love them, but nevertheless, um, I do love them. <laughs> and, uh, and so I sometimes in past have fed them and I've got yelled at by those with me like, you're going to create a problem here on the beach, you know? And then now time passed that one day they stole my sandwich three times. Why is it? The guy before didn't pay the attention to the rules and was feeding the seagulls. I was that same guy. I'm just curious. After I left, what seagull took someone else's sandwich? <laughs> you see, there's a story of a chauffeur driver named Tim. And the chauffeur driver named Tim was uh, wanting a job to drive this fancy, expensive, valuable Roy's Royce. You might know the chauffeur, I'm not sure. <laughs> but there were other candidates that wanted this job too because this was a really nice job. Now the owner of the Rolls Royce was interviewing all the chauffeur because he knew that his life was going to be on the line as he traveled with his chauffeur. And he asked each of the candidates a question. He says, I want to know your skill before you get the job. And this is what I want to know. The roads I'm going to be traveling on are very treacherous, and there's one place there that's really steep and has a big edge. I want to know how good are your skills, how close can you get to the edge? Well, the one person said, I can drive within five feet of that edge. And the man said, that's pretty impressive. The next person said, I can drive three feet from that edge. He said, pretty impressive. Then Tim thought for a little bit and said, you know what? I really would probably drive about 15 feet away from that edge. And the man said, 15 feet? What kind of skill is that? He said, well, it's not a skill. It's more of a mind frame. I want to protect the one I'm driving and the safety of this incredible car. Therefore, I want to stay as far as possible from the edge so that I do not have an accident. Let me ask you, who would you hire? Who would you hire? Come on, everybody say, I hire Tim. Huh? Come on, real loud, I'll hire Tim. Huh? Tim, you got the job. <laughs> I'll show you the Rolls Royce I just got. <clears throat> you see, What's important is how do we develop self-control is that it happens from a love we have. My son one time preaching was so beautiful. He was preaching and while he was preaching, he said this. He said, when I was in high school, I wanted to sin. I wanted to do something I wanted to do. But I said to myself, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to hurt my mother and father with my action. And when I heard him say that, I, not only was I blessed, I was really moved because he said it in front of me. Now, I can understand my son saying that to someone else, you know. But to say that in front of me as he was trying to bring out an, edu- uh, 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 an example, I want you to understand that he was saying, I don't want to do that because I don't want to cause any pain. In our life, we're going to make mistakes. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to make mistakes. 
But this is important. Now listen, tell them this. But you learn from mistakes. You see? A lot of times what the enemy will do in the aspect of your life is that he wants to remind you of your mistake. But the problem is it's covered by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so we have a new beginning because we have forgiveness. There is nobody perfect in life. Oh, sure, this person may do this. But that same person who says, oh, you did this, he does this or she does this. Everybody has sinned, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. Some would say amen. I'll really stop preaching. <laughs> you see, we need to develop, and how we develop the self-control is a desire to honor and to glorify the God we love. You see, why do I want to do what I want to do? Why would a person wake up 5.30 in the morning just to pray to talk to God? Because of love. Love. Love does. What you love is what you do. Don't tell me you love God when you can't do the simple things God just asks us to do. And you can't say, a kid says the same thing, Dad, Mom, I love you. Wait a minute, you love me? You can't even take the garbage out. We try and say you love me. You love me? Do me a favor. Take the garbage out. Is that simple? Simple request? Because when you take the garbage out, I don't have to worry about it. And when I don't have to worry about it, that makes me happy. Hold on. Love is what we do. You see, if we're going to develop a self-control, we have this highest love with the greatest desire that we want to put the right things in place and do the right thing. Jesus says in 14.5 of John, if you love me, do what I have commanded you to do. Jesus says again in Matthew 22.37, the great command, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Look at your neighbor right now and just say, I love you. I love you. <laughs> Tell them you love them. All of the prophets and the law hang on these two commandments. These are powerful. You see, when you look at self-control, this is a gift of the Spirit. This is a fruit of the Spirit. You see it in Galatians 5.22, listen to what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, and, and self-control. How, how do you get there? How do you get producing the fruits? It comes by loving, and then you have a joy, you walk in this peace. You now, because you have the peace, you have patience with others. You start to exhibit kindness to other ones and goodness. You are faithful. You're gentle. And all of a sudden, you're resisting the temptation to bring hurt and harm to God and to others. Self-control. It's a beautiful thing. Now, write this down. This is a powerful little quote I liked. A life of self-indulgence leads to a life of self-destruction. A life of self-indulgence leads to a life of self-destruction. When you see a life on the road of destruction, it's because they have put them so much in the place where they're going to hurt themselves, not help themselves. All of the indulgence. Sure, the Bible says sin is good. Do you know the Bible says sin is good? How many know the Bible says sin is good? But just for a season. It seems good. I mean, hey, we're having fun. Then fun catches up to you, and then you realize, I'm not having fun anymore. You know, the prodigal son, when he took off, he was a happy guy. I'm free. I'm free. And he's singing a song as you go down the road. I'm free. I can do anything I want. And he did. And then one day, he found himself feeding the pigs 
with slop. Wanting to eat the slop and realize, you know what? I don't think this is where I want to be. See, I want you to understand something. Indulgence can take you a long journey. And you need to realize that self-control is a friend. Someone say it's a friend. It's something that comes from God and it really is your friend. Look at this part here. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now, this is beautiful because we've learned that God's grace is something we don't deserve. You don't deserve God's grace. He gave it to you. And we've seen that grace, God's grace empowered us to become his children. God's grace provided for us. God's grace is going to be really revealed when we see Jesus. We see in 1 Peter, right in the beginning, Peter greets us with grace. Right in the very first 1 and 2. Then again, Peter comes to us and he predicts the grace that was given by the prophets in verse 10. Peter goes further, writing by the spirit of grace that is to be brought to us when Jesus is revealed. You know, I told this to someone the other day, and I know I mentioned it probably Wednesday in one of our Wednesday classes. If we really understood grace, not the grace, cheap grace that people look at grace. No, grace meaning what God has really done and the, the beautiful gift he's given us. We live different. We really would live different. We would share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We would say, man, I have got the greatest gift in the world that I cannot keep to myself. I was with a young lady yesterday sharing Jesus with her. And it was a beautiful moment that God opened up. And I had some people with me, and they said to me, you do that everywhere you go. I said, no, it isn't supposed to be me. It's supposed to be every Christian should be salt and light. And everywhere we go, we're supposed to do this. We share what's in us. You know what they said? It was really touching. we got to get back to that. we got to start doing that. And I said nothing. I thought, lesson taught. Don't let an opportunity love people where they are and share what's in your heart. Just care for them. That's all you have to do. You know, people just want to know that you're sincere. That's it. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, glad you're here today. <laughs> I sincerely mean it. <laughs> So Peter is talking about this grace, and he says, set your hope fully on God's grace. Listen, don't put your hope in anything else this world has. Don't put your hope. Don't think, you know what, if I could get this, you know what, if I could take care of this, oh, I'd be on easy street. You're missing it. God's already provided for you. Put your hope where hope needs to be. Let him help you. Fully put your hands to the plow. Be all in. Don't focus on where you are. Don't focus how you feel. Focus what the men and the women here in Asia Minor have to do. Remember what God has done. In the midst of the trial, God is with you. Someone say amen. amen. Let me close with this here. It's a portion of scripture that I think that is powerful. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith... We have, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Someone say amen. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And the hope 
does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given unto us. Can you just give God some praise in the house because of his great grace, his great hope? He loves you so much. I know you don't think sometimes you think he might love someone else better than you. I've heard it so many times. Well, look at this person. Look what's happening over there. Will you stop looking at your right and looking at your left? Will you just focus on what God's doing in your life? Because I'm going to tell you something. God's about to do something in your life so different from the ones on your right and the ones on your left. If you just make him your hope of your great joy. If you can just focus on the God who so loves you. Can you do that? Can you do that? Can you recognize he's done so much for you that you're going to gird your mind up? You're going to apply self-control? You're going to put the joy in the hope that God has provided and you're going to walk knowing who you are. You're going to be steady Eddie. Don't be a negative Nancy. Can you stand to your feet? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just give him some praise in the house of the Lord. Just give him some praise for his goodness, for his, who he is. Those watching online, those here, one of the greatest things in the world is understanding that the battle is in the mind. And where the mind is, that's where you go. If you find yourself fighting negativity, if you find yourself fighting all type of hindrances, and you need to realize the battle is in the mind. Jesus Christ so loves each one of you. He loves you. You're special. You're unique. If someone's near you, tell them they're special. You're unique. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Rodney, you're special. God loves you. You see, so often we need to realize that God has a plan. But you know what? Sometimes we allow the enemy to come in. And the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Maybe you're watching online. There's a plan that God has for you, but it's up to you to follow him. He has done everything possible to show you his love. He loves you so much. Jesus Christ stretched out his arms and died. Stretched out his arms and died. I want you to ask yourself a question. Who has died because they love you? Who has given their whole life for you? That's a powerful statement. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ, you say to do it right where you are, wherever you are, right here, and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I have sinned before you. I've done what I want to do. The scripture says, all like sheep have gone astray. Lord, forgive me for going astray. Help me. And right now, accept this plan of salvation. Tell Jesus, I accept this plan of salvation through the Son, Jesus Christ, that he rose on the third day and gave me new life. I want heaven to be my home. I choose to yield myself today to you, God. I choose to follow Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I ask this. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. If you said that, let us know, because God, God so loves you. Put some praise in the house of the Lord, saints of God. Amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m. 
or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.